Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you so much that we have this moment right now to meet you, maybe in a new way. Lord, the joy of knowing you can meet us no matter where we are. We're watching right now through a live stream. You're meeting us in that moment, whether we're in our living room, in our car, or outside. Lord, you can meet us at anywhere at any time. So thank you for meeting us in this time of praise and adoration. Thank you that we know that you'll meet us in this word, and your word will not come back void, that this is truth and it's living. And Lord, we know that you'll be made known to us and we'll meet you in the breaking of the bread. Meet us right now in this moment so we can leave here different as a result of it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing our series. We're in our second week for our series on Love Your Neighbor. And here's the good news. We're on week two. We've got two more weeks to go on Love Your Neighbor. And when we're done after four weeks, you don't have to love them anymore. <laughs> you have four weeks. And we'll come back to it at some point in a cycle. And you'll go, okay, I'll work on that again. Try to love my neighbor. That's right. Jesus was pretty serious about that. But it's important for us. And uh, we're kind of in that starting up phase of, of, of children going back to school and taking that on. And uh, fall begins that, and it's a good time for us to be reminded in that discipleship journey how important this is of loving our neighbor. And we began last week, and we talked about God's blueprint for love, that he gives us this blueprint to love him, love ourselves, love our neighbor, that, that it unfolds in that way that we have to understand about a depth of his love, how grand, how awesome, how powerful, how mighty his love is for us. That we would get hold of that picture, but how it's also connected in loving ourselves and loving others. And last week, we uh, read the scripture from Romans, which reminds us in Romans 13, 8, Owe no one anything except love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. That, that everything is fulfilled. Love God will your heart, soul, mind, and strength love your neighbor as yourself. All Ten Commandments, all 612 laws that they would obey and follow in their life, he's saying all of that can be summed up in this understanding. But it's a greater understanding that we have to have about his love. See, loving God and loving others is synonymous. It's not separate. And, and we have to understand that's what Jesus was teaching us, that it's, it's two in, one in the same if we love him and how we love others. It's not step one, step two. It's, it's, it's synonymous. It's together. And the more we love others, the more we discover the love of God. That's, that's the reality of what Jesus was teaching. See, we, no matter where we're at right now in, in your journey with the Lord, maybe you haven't made that step yet, and you're still trying to figure out that relationship that he's calling you, and he's drawing you to that relationship, but you haven't fully yet made that decision to begin to follow him and, and let him in your life that way. Or maybe you have been on that journey, uh, and during that journey, at some point, at some moment in our life, you encountered the love of God. That's what happened. The Holy Spirit worked in your life in such a way that there was something different that was going on, and what you, what you encountered was God's love for you. Remember, he created you in his image. He created all of us in his image, and he loves us. That's why he created us in that image. And we encountered in a moment his love for us, and it changed us. You encountered his love, and that's what motivated you to get up this morning and come and worship with him. You encountered his love, and it changes us as a result of that love. But that's just the beginning of us understanding love. If we were to look out at the ocean, if I took you out in the middle of the ocean and in, in, in no land to see and 
and, and, and the vastness and how big it is. And, 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 and you went out there in, in the middle of the ocean and you took a thimble and you filled that thimble up and you held that thimble and looked at it. That's just the beginning of understanding what we know of God's love for us. His love for us is more vast than the ocean or its depths or what it covers or, or bigger than the galaxies, the things that we can't understand. And what he's telling us is loving him and loving others, we're going to begin to understand more about this love that will go from that thimbleful to maybe a little bit more of, 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 of a larger glass of understanding of what that love is. And that's what he's calling us to do. And love God and, and, and loving our neighbor begins or starts with forgiveness. That it has to begin in that place. And we read today in Matthew 18, verse 21 through 22. And then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Peter, who's a zealot, who we know... uh, sometimes says things quickly and, and, and is quick to respond in, 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 in things that are going on as the Lord is working in their life. And he has this moment now and he's gathered with the other disciples and Jesus has been teaching them and they're growing and learning what it means to be a follower of Christ. And Peter has this moment where, where he knows that I, I'm going to follow through with the understanding of this whole forgiveness thing. And, and, and in this moment, you see, Peter was believing that, you know, I, I got this down. Maybe he had a little short conversation with the other disciples. What do you think? What do you think? But, but I'm going to go before the Lord. And what Peter knew, that, that when he came and was going to ask the Lord, that Jewish tradition was that you would forgive up to three times. That in the book of Amos, they would take out of there that the idea that by law, it would be that you have to forgive your brother, forgive another, forgive a neighbor up to three times. After that, you're dead to me. Three times, I'll forgive you. That's by law. And they, and, and, and they would practice that, whether they liked it or not, because it was law. And they would forgive a brother up to three times. So, you know, this brain trust begins and Peter begins to think about knowing the, 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 the tradition that they would forgive three times and begins to think, well, I'm going to come to the Lord and, and I'm going to uh, present before the Lord that, uh, uh, what I think about forgiveness. So uh, the discussion continues and Peter stops and he thinks, okay, three times. If I take three and add three plus one, surely that's going to be the right answer. Take three plus three, add one. I nailed it. I'm killing it right now with Jesus. He's going to look at me and be like, well done, good and faithful servant. (laughs) Disciples are going to be jealous. I nailed it. I got this down. Lord, let me ask you a question. How many times? Seven? Seven? And Jesus would often teach hyperbolically and, and, and an exaggeration so that you would better understand that message. I know, I just said Jesus exaggerated. He did. He told a story in a way that we would have a better understanding as a result of that story. And we're going to look at that right now in this parable. And when he asked the seven times and and 70 times seven, that Jesus wasn't saying there's a number to it, that 490 times, but 491, I will not forgive you anymore. Good luck getting to the 490. Good luck getting to the three in the Jewish tradition. 
And the importance of that, and, and Peter's trying to discover what is it, and, and, and how do we do this, and how will we practice this, and it goes on in verse 23. Now Jesus is going to teach, and he teaches this way. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. And whenever you read, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like, you, we need to pay attention. If we want a kingdom perspective, Jesus is giving us the answer, the antidotes, the understanding of a kingdom view for our lives. And what we have to have is a kingdom view, not a temporal view, but an eternal view of who he is. And he gives his disciples this, this, what the kingdom of heaven would look like about a man who wanted to settle these accounts with his servant. And we read the parable, the servant owed 10,000 talents. And 10,000 talents would transfer to roughly 60 million days wages. Seriously, I'm not making that number up. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> 60 million days wages. That's 200,000 years of labor. That's $3.48 billion that he owed. The reality is, that's impossible to pay back. I don't know if you've got $3.48 billion sitting around in your account right now. If you do, I'd love to talk to you after the service. And <laughs> I'll write that check. Impossible to pay back. The debt was too great. It was too large. And the servant, his wife, his children, and all that they had would be sold. It'd all be sold. They'd be sold into slavery until the king could be paid back. That's the result of not paying back what that debt should be. And we know in verse 26, he comes before the king and he responds. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. Have patience with me. Have have." Have patience that I will pay you all. That the servant falls down at the feet of the king and he asks for mercy. The servant, I don't know what he was going to do to pay back that kind of debt. He couldn't work his day job in Uber at night. I don't think that was going to work for him. But he recognized the severity. He recognized the consequence of where he was at. He recognized the bigger picture of all this. But he came before the Lord and he asked for mercy. Maybe we could relate to that a little bit in our own journey with the Lord. That there was a moment in our life that we come to him and realize there's nothing I can possibly do to pay back this debt. There's nothing I can do to reconcile in my own strength what I would owe to the Lord. What we know is it's that it's by grace that we, we meet him and that we come before him and, 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 and this greater debt, there's no way to pay back. But that's where we begin to discover that love that he has for us. But the master responds in verse 18 to the servant. Verse 27, the master responds, the master of the servant was so moved with compassion, he released him and forgave him the debt. He was so moved with compassion that he released him. He didn't say, I release you and you're now on a payment plan for the next 200,000 years. <laughs> he said, your, your, your debt is paid. The servant leaves the master free. His debt has been paid. 
he is forgiven. Does that sound familiar? Remember, um, early on, figuring out my journey with the Lord, my dad makes a suggestion to me, and he goes, you know what you need to go do? You need to go make a good confession. I'm like, hey, you know what you need to do? Leave me alone. (laughs) Meanwhile, I knew he was right, and that made me even more angry. (laughs) And in spite of him, I was going to go do it, you know? Don't tell me what to do. And I head out, and I walk down the block, and... I don't know what day it was. I don't know what time it was. And I left and I'll go make a confession. I'll show you. And I head out to the church and I walk in and apparently they're having confession. I had no idea. And I go through the front doors and the building didn't explode or implode or fall down on me. A little alarm didn't start going off. Sinner, sinner, sinner. Recognizing. You know, I wasn't geocached where they were like, up there, we got one, we got one. That's the one. And I walked in, and I walked there, and I'm sweating, and, and, and I'm, I'm nervous, and I'm anxious, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, how long is this going to take? And someone's in there, and I'm like, come on already, let's go. It's my turn. I didn't do that. I'm just kidding. That's how I felt inside. That was my inside feeling. I just wanted it over with, and I'm, I'm waiting, and you know, the light's on, and the light goes off, and I'm thinking right before I step in that, you know, I didn't do anything, half measures avail us nothing. And I didn't do anything in my life previous at this moment halfway. So if I'm going to get right with God, I'm going to go all in. I'm not going to hide behind a screen or do anything. I'm going to look this priest in the eye and I'm going to tell him. Give myself a little pep talk, you know. The door was real close, too. I could see. I could just bolt right now and no one will ever know if I just run out the door. So I open the door and I come in and I sit down and I look at him face to face. And thanks be to God, he was a priest who was shipped in from another country and spoke really no English. It was in that moment I became a born-again spirit. No, <laughs> there is a God, hallelujah, Jesus. And I sat down and I began to pour my heart out and share with him those things, those debts that I had in my life. And, and there was just this peace in his life as he listened. And I heard soon after he retired from the ministry because as a result of my confession. <laughs> but, but I sat there and I poured out everything that I could think of that needed to be dealt with in my life and that really that debt, that, that $3.48 billion that I didn't want to deal with. And I couldn't deal with. It was impossible. And he said, you're forgiven. He gave me absolution. My debt was paid. And I left that church, and it was the freest I ever felt in my life. There was a moment I was leaving, and, I, and like the birds sounded different, you know? I can almost hear grass growing. And something shifted, something changed as a result of me being earnest before the Lord. I was free. My debt had been paid, and I began to understand that. Then the servant who leaves in that moment, knowing what just occurred for him, he leaves and he runs into a neighbor. And the neighbor owes him 100 denarii. And that 100 denarii values about $11,000 today. 3.48 billion, 11,000. And he sees him and he grabs him by the neck and begins to choke him to pay him what he owes him. He just had a moment, a debt he could never pay back. And his first instinct is to get what's his. And he encounters this man. And the neighbor asks, when he encounters him, the neighbor asks to, to, 
the same mercy, to show him mercy that the servant asked from the king. He asked the same for the same mercy. The servant who's unwilling to forgive has his neighbor thrown into jail for the debt he can't repay. Well, this doesn't go well with the other neighbors who witnessed all that just happened. They watched all this taking place. They've seen what happened. Because we know when that unforgiving servant left the palace of the king, he was celebrating that freedom. You won't believe it. The king just paid off my debt. I'm free. The neighbors are rejoicing. They all know what's going on. Until he encounters the one who owes him something. One who he's not forgiven. And the neighbors who witness what happened report back to the king. The servant who was forgiven so generously by the king refused to show the same forgiveness to his neighbor. Often I've said it and you've heard it said, unforgiveness is like us drinking poison waiting for the other person to die. That's what unforgiveness does. And that's why Jesus was teaching about a freedom in forgiveness, to understand what unforgiveness does to us in our life, what happens as a result of unforgiveness. And let's just say that things didn't bode well for the unforgiving servant at the end of the story. He didn't get it. He missed it. Unforgiveness leaves us in bondage, and it hinders us from walking in the fullness of God's love. That's what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness It's not from God. It's a scheme of the enemy. It's the enemy who wants you to hold on to that place and leave you bound in that place of unforgiveness. It's Because he can keep you there. He knows what will happen as a result of that. He knows that if he can keep you in unforgiveness, it will keep you from a deeper relationship with God. He knows as a result of that unforgiveness, that bondage that you're in, that that it heightens anxiety, that it heightens fear in your life. That it's also said that physically it'll affect your body as a result of unforgiveness for others. They did a study on cancer patients, and 61% of those cancer patients all had serious unforgiveness in their life. That it was a, a way that it was affecting them physically. And unforgiveness will affect us Physically, it'll affect us mentally and certainly is affecting us spiritually. And Jesus knew that that would be a problem. And in this kingdom parable, Jesus teaches us a forgiveness principle. That's what he's teaching his disciples. It's this forgiveness principle. God's love for us is perfect. But our love for one another is imperfect. And that is why we need a forgiveness principle. That's why we need to have an understanding of forgiveness. Now, the forgiveness principle is simple. Number one, forgive others as you have been forgiven. That's number one. Forgive others as you've been forgiven. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, and he gives them the Lord's Prayer, which will come at the end of our celebration of the Eucharist in the midst of that, and we'll say together the Lord's Prayer. We're familiar with that prayer, a prayer that we've prayed often. And and in verse 12, Jesus says this, in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That you forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who what? Trespass against us. 
Lead us not into sin. We want to skip that one part. Forgive us our sins and lead us not into temptation. That We don't want to add in that debtors, but it's, it's again, synonymous, that it comes together, that we have to understand what that means, and we have to show that forgiveness. Now, here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness allows us to encounter with God in a way that we couldn't encounter before because something was holding us back. And it invites us into a place just as we have been forgiven, just as he's shown forgiveness. We can, too, bring that into another person's life and show that forgiveness. And that we have to walk in that and the importance of us walking in that. Forgive others as we have been forgiven. Second thing is forget forget once you show forgiveness. Because we might start with forgiveness, but we're going to hold on to that for a long time. Oh, I forgave you all right. Oh, yeah. You're forgiven. Oh, we know that marriage, don't we? Yeah, 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 I forgave you. Hey, remember when? But Jesus calls us to forgive, and then he calls us to forget. And until we forget, we haven't truly forgiven. And we're saving that one in our back pocket. We've got to forget it. We've got to let that go. Third is walk in the freedom that comes from forgiveness. Walk in that new freedom. Leave that church like I left, knowing my debt was paid as a result of what he did. Knowing that we leave here, we leave in that freedom. That we're not harboring or holding on to those things. See, forgiveness brings freedom to the past and hope for the future. And that's why he said it was so important. You want to be set free from those things in your past? Bring forgiveness into your situation of your life. And when you begin to reconcile that and allow that healing to come, it begins to give a new hope for tomorrow. A new hope for our future. And here's, here's the truth. All of us have things we need to be forgiven for. We're all dealing with this. And all of us have been legitimately hurt by somebody along the way. That's real. And that's why Jesus said, hey, guess what, disciples? It's not seven times. It's really not 70 times seven. But it's continual. So that you would learn this principle of forgiveness so that you can understand a greater depth of his love for us. Jesus knew that those who are forgiven much would what? Love much. Those would be the people that would show that love as a result of forgiveness. God forgave us our debt, a debt we can never repay. And we're to show that same forgiveness towards our neighbors, towards others. God's forgiveness towards us should be the very thing that leads us to be compassionate for our neighbor, that we would have compassion on them. Forgiveness is not how we... Uh, just say words, but that we forget about it, we find that for freedom. Forgiveness is how we put our compassion into action. That's how we begin to activate that compassion. And if we're truly going to live out the gospel and love our neighbors, the best place that we could ever start is in a place of forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we know this is a hard understanding and in many ways, Lord, we've held back in areas of our life. And I want you right now 
as you're praying, those who are watching online, that you know what's going on and maybe that you've been zoomed into a problem and you've held on to that unforgiveness in your life. And, but the Lord is with us right now. What I want you to do is think about that moment or that person or that very thing, and I want you to bring it before the Lord right now. Because what I know is by His Spirit and power, He can meet you in that moment. And He'll give you grace to show that forgiveness for others just as He's given us grace. So whatever that is, whatever you're dealing with, whatever person or wherever you held on to and you harbored and it's affected you mentally, spiritually, and, 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 and physically, I want you to put that before the Lord right now. And Lord, I ask that you would just begin to tear out that root of unforgiveness in our lives. And Lord, that we would truly not just forgive, Lord, we would forget and that we would be free, free to know a new measure of your love for us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Now, for all of us, that journey begins with a relationship with him. And Jesus makes an invitation for us to come. By grace through faith, he gives us this gift of eternal life. But we have to turn. We have to first start and ask him for forgiveness. We can't show others forgiveness until we understand what that is. And he gives that to us. But we've got to turn from our way of life and ask him to come in that way. And then we're transformed as a result of that relationship. If you'd like to pray with me to know him that way, and be able to walk in the fullness of who he is in your life. Just pray this prayer with me. Just repeat these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart, and I ask for you to come in. Take control of my life, and make me the person that you want me to be. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you're here in person, if you're online, and you've just prayed that with me, I want you to let us know. Why? Because there is a pathway to discipleship. And as a church, we're committed to come alongside of you and help you on this amazing journey, the 30,000-foot perspective that the Lord has for your life. So please let us know. Amen? Yes. Peace of the Lord be with you. Acknowledge one another with a sign of God's peace.